Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert and terrified old man staring at a quarterly statement and wedding himself, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm film scholar and willing idiotic snack, Noelle Croy, And we're here today to talk about Into the Woods, the 10th episode of season five. Into the Woods aired on December 19th, 2000 and was written and directed by Marty fucking Nuxon, y'all. I'm so pleased. I love her. Hells. I mean, I don't care for a lot of this episode, <laughs> but I love her. <laughs> Did you know that story spoilers are good for you? No. It's true. I read that on a blog once. So it's fact. And because fact. we care about your health and safety here at Still Pretty, we are a fully spoiled Buffy podcast. Right now, I'd rather be here styling your beautiful new plastic dream hair. But let's go on patrol. In Into the Woods, the Scoobies wait at the hospital for Joyce's surgery to be over. The surgeon comes out and tells Buffy that they got the whole tumor. Joyce is going to be fine. She's going to be fine, y'all. Just fine. (laughs) Buffy and Riley go back to the house to be alone and do adult alone time things, like getting Riley's insecurity tweaked again. Don't sell yourself short. You stayed strong throughout, Buffy. You never even cried. No, I cried. So hard, I didn't think I was going to be able to stop. After what we can only presume to be mediocre sex, Riley rushes out into the middle of the night. Spike, who was outside stalking Buffy from her front lawn, follows him. The next night, when Riley sneaks out again, Spike walks into Buffy's bedroom and tells her he has to show her something. She goes with him and discovers Riley in a vampire prostitution slash drug hovel of some sort. Our mixed metaphors are getting a little muddy here. And Buffy sees him letting a methed out looking vamp lady suck on his arm. Buffy rushes out. Buffy! We only came here because we care about you, friend. Riley goes home to his apartment where Graham and the commandos are waiting for him. They want to take him on a mission. He has until midnight tomorrow to decide he wants to go with them. The next day at the Magic Box, everybody's making fun of Anya. I can just hear you in private. I dislike that Anya. She's newly human and strangely literal. When Buffy walks in on a mission to take out the Vamp Nest, They talk about it, and Giles says he was aware of that kind of thing, but felt that the unwilling victims and Glory are a higher priority right now. Buffy vehemently disagrees. Are you coming with me or not? What's the rush, Buff? If we're going into a nest, maybe we should come up with a strategy. Wait for Riley. Back me up or not. I'm going. They all head out to the vamp nest to find it abandoned, but with a propane camp stove flaming because, well, we all know how vampires love that open flame. Buffy tosses it against the wall, setting the place on fire. Meanwhile, Riley shows up at Spike's crypt and fake stakes him with a plastic stake, which I'm absolutely sure was purchased for sex play with Buffy, but let's not think about that. What's important here is that Spike's delight armor is at full power. And as Spike confesses his love for Buffy, he and Riley commiserate over how this woman is the source of all of their misery and not, you know, their own personal shortcomings. Sometimes I envy you so much it chokes me. And sometimes I think I got the better deal. Be that close to her and not have her. Be all alone, even when you're holding her. Feeling her, feeling her beneath you. Surrounding you. The scent. No, you got the better deal. Riley goes to the magic box to talk to Buffy, even though she's not interested in talking to him right now. 
They finally talk and Riley blames her relationship with Angel and for some reason Dracula for his going to the dark side. At least the vampires needed him. He tells her about the offer from the commandos that they leave at midnight. Are you going? I don't know. We can't work this out. Then what? This is goodbye? Buffy goes out into the alley and is set upon by the vamps from the drug den slash cat house, and she takes them all out, except the one who had been sucking on Riley's arm. Buffy lets her go, but then changes her mind at the last minute and throws a staff at her like a flying javelin, dusting her immediately. Then Xander comes out and hands Buffy a whole load of horse shit about how Riley's the one, <laughs> Riley's the guy, you can't let Riley go, and somehow gaslights Buffy into racing out into the night after Riley. She gets to the helicopter, shouting Riley's name, but Riley can't hear her. Then Xander goes home to Anya, apparently realizing that everything he told Buffy wasn't about Buffy and Riley, but him and Anya, so oops, I guess. I'm in love with you. Powerfully painfully in love. The things you do, the way you think, the way you move, I get excited every time I'm about to see you. You make me feel like I've never felt before in my life. Like a man. I just thought you might want to know. All right, Noel, I am really enjoying uh, this day because we are getting ready to rumble. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think this may possibly be one of the episodes upon which we disagree the most, which I think is going to make it really, really fun to talk about. Although I, I think we're both... We're both just like, I don't even know where you're coming from with each other, but I think it'll be fun. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and start. What did you think about this episode? Okay, so this is episode number three or four in this whole Joyce in the Hospital series of episodes. And it is it is once again the same day or the next day or whatever. And it's like, here we go. But this is, this is a whole new world. This is a whole new directorial field um mm -hmm. and i just i just this is this is my marty noxon love and appreciation coming out right now um <laughs> i actually really enjoy this episode in a lot of ways i do think it's a huge mm -hmm. bummer that the relationship between buffy and riley gets interesting only in the episode where it ends but what i mean <laughs> what an ending the ending is the most interesting part of the relationship and i love yeah. the way mm -hmm. I love the way Marty Noxon takes all these not quite loose ends. They're more like stray fibers mm -hmm. <laughs> and tucks yeah, them mm -hmm. into this thing that for one episode does a good impression of actual troubled relationship dynamics where two people are doing their best. And I don't mean doing their best as in acting in the most enlightened way possible. I mean, everyone right. mm -hmm. everywhere has extraordinarily good reasons for doing what they do. And this mm -hmm. is why fictional relationships are better than real ones, because we can see all the nuance and complexity and acknowledge that everyone is right, air quotes, in their own feelings without having to make any of that icky compromise stuff that goes on in like real relationships. <laughs> um, uh, I find that so funny. 
Because really? like my my patience with Buffy and Riley ran out a long time ago. So honestly, I spend most of this episode just being glad that like we're we're inching toward this death that needed to come, right? I have no I see no everyone being their best. Like Buffy, first of all, has her responsibility in that she has never spoken to Riley. She's never wanted to speak to Riley when they've had stuff to talk about, aka when he slept with Faith, you know, which also was not his fault. And somehow Faith managed to rape two people at once which I think is, you know, oh, that's a discussion we've already had. But um, when they have stuff to talk about, they just don't. They yeah. just don't. And Buffy never wants to talk about it. So, I mean, that part I, you know, I put on Buffy is that she is not willing to communicate. And she always gives him this line. I have given you everything of myself, my heart, my soul, my body. I'm like, your body. OK. Like, you know, sure, you've let him enjoy that wonderland for a while. But um, but the rest of it, no, you haven't opened up to him. You haven't, you know, given him that. And that, like, I understand Riley feeling shut out. What irritates me about Riley, of course, as I've expressed a number of times, is that it's not about it's it's about she's not um, she's not breaking down enough with him. She's not weak so that he can be strong. You know, even she says, it bothers you that I'm stronger than you. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, but also this other stuff, which is all your fault. So it's your fault that I'm going out into the darkness. And he brings in Angel and Dracula. Dracula? Dracula <laughs> had Xander eating spiders. Dracula had Giles, you know, in the love pit. <laughs> Which I'm not really sure how much of that was under Giles' control or not. Um, you know, he's he was he was given the opportunity that many men his age don't get. Like I get it. You know, forgiveness is there, but with Riley, you know, he can't see that Dracula might have had an effect on Buffy as well, and that somehow because she let Dracula bite her, that that it, this is a whole thing. So everything becomes her fault. Which is for her fault for things that are not her fault, not holding her responsible for the things that she is responsible for. And then just blaming all of his like drastically poor decisions on her. So I like my patience for this is just done. And the idea that. I mean, I, and I, I'm like, I think it's cool. Like, I love the fact that you enjoy this. I'm fascinated by it. Like, I, I really want to understand what it is about this that, like, that feels like a, a, I don't know, like a normal, healthy, or maybe not healthy. Not I don't know, healthy. Like, how does, how, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to hear more about okay. that. Okay, so it's interesting that you are, that you read Riley as blaming Buffy and blaming oh, yeah. specifically and, you know, bringing up Angel and Dracula and she expresses some dismay at Dracula. And he says, I know that like he is throughout this whole thing. He is very um, he's very calm and reasonable, but he is trying to express his feelings to her. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. he comes to her saying this is how this felt to me. And when she's like, she's like, oh, please, like Dracula and Angel, he says, I know, you know, I know that intellectually, essentially, but emotionally, it feels mm -hmm. different. Um, I don't see him putting a lot of blame on her. I see her doing a lot of projecting onto him a kind of, I don't know. Like an unreasonable, like she, she is 
very, very, I mean, rightfully very angry with him, but is also not really in touch with her own feelings about their relationship in the same way that Mm -hmm. he seems to be. He seems to have Mm -hmm. done more reflection about what his emotional landscape is. Whereas she hasn't been, she hasn't been thinking about it. And the thing is, you know, like granted, I think that's a very fair point. Not it's the one hand you could be like her mother was dying. Her mother was dying for like three weeks. Prior to that though, she did not spend that much time thinking about Riley. Like I think, yeah, I think there's something to, um, you know, Buffy took Riley for granted that Buffy was never that into Riley, I think is definitely something that's on the table. I think there are things that Buffy has done wrong. It's the specific way that Riley says, you did this, so I did this. I did this because they needed me. You don't I love need me. that. Like, that's petulant bullshit. No, I it's hate that. Not. I hate it so much. Oh, my God. Like, Yes, it is. It is. That guts me. And maybe this is me projecting because because that is a very real need in a relationship to for to feel like you matter to the person that you're with matter. Yes. And he acknowledges that it's not like he knows he knows that he Mm -hmm. doesn't have any sort of deep emotional connection with these vampires who are biting him but that's not what he wants what he wants is to be needed and to be desired and Buffy does not desire him and we have established that several times several times right but there's a difference between being like I think that the the need to be needed is something that needs severe side eye because being needed means that they need you so they can't choose you because they need you well we all need each other in relationships though to a certain degree like there's a certain but like honestly like the need to be needed is something that that tweaks me a little bit because you know if she's strong and she's you know capable and she can handle her own shit and she doesn't need him but she chooses him but she wants him now that's where it falls off she doesn't want him Like, that's pretty clear. Like, and I think that she's made that pretty clear. Like, she, he's there and he is, you know, amusing or whatever, you know. Um, He's dependable uh, is what she says to Xander. Dependable. Like, there's a lot of things like that. Icky. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely it is. I just hate Buffy in this episode. (laughs) I mean, I'm trying. I try to see things from her perspective, but Mm -hmm. I just hate her in this episode. No. All of her with Riley. Like, the thing is, is that Buffy has done things wrong. But the things that Buffy has done wrong are not the things that Riley is is focusing on. And the way that Riley is blaming her for his choices, you know, for the things that he is doing, um, I find really, really weak. I don't think he blames her. In that, I don't he see. He does. I don't see. Blame. I did this because you let Dracula bite you. He says he I wanted, wanted to, to understand. Know- he wants to understand the connection. Yeah. She clearly has a connection with these vampire dudes that she doesn't have with him. And he wants mm-hmm. that. He wants he wants connection with her. He wants right. something beyond passion, which is what he says he gets from the vampires, which is a really right. interesting thing mm-hmm. to say. Um, but he also wants... He wants that connection. There is something between 
Buffy and Angel and something between Dracula and Buffy that he doesn't have mm-hmm. and he doesn't have he doesn't have access to and he is trying to access it is the way that is the way that his side of their confrontation comes across to me that it's mm-hmm. not it's not I blame you. It's not you have to be with a man who's part monster. So I'm going to go make myself a monster for you. Like, it's not that. (laughs) Like, that's not how I read it at all. I read it Mm -hmm. as like my partner is into this thing. I don't get it. I don't even know what it is. Let me go. Like, let me try this and see if I can mm-hmm. understand. And then he, oops, accidentally falls into this, oh, wait, this gives me something that I didn't realize I was missing, which is a very real experience in relationships. Mm-hmm. You can't know that something is not there if you've never experienced it. So if you experience, if he goes out and experiences this level of physical need Mm -hmm. from someone else to him that he's not getting with Buffy. It's a huge, like, this is a huge light bulb. This is why I fucking love Marty Noxon writing relationships, by the way. Because Marty Noxon gave us this in New Moon Rising also. Mm -hmm. This, like, it's Mm -hmm. not my fault if I can't give you the thing that I don't have. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, but it still sucks for you. Like, it's Mm -hmm. still, it's no fun to be like, I need this in a relationship and to have the other person be like, I am not capable of giving that to you, which is really the the wall that Buffy and Riley end up slammed into at the end of this is he needs something from her that she doesn't have to give him. Right. And she's, you know what? I mean, that's... (laughs) That is my read on this whole thing. And again, like, this yeah. is another thing that I love about fictional relationships is that uh-huh. it is right. completely like I can complete as much as I say I hate Buffy in this episode, I can completely see her side of this like really shitty situation. But also she's terrible to Riley. She is terrible to Riley. She never talks to him, but she always tells him she's I mean, she gaslights him with that. But what's what's funny, though, because she's always saying, I give you everything of me. I give you my heart, my soul, well, and my I everything. You give him nothing. She believes that. That's Maybe. what works for me. What totally Maybe, works for but me she is never that wants to talk. to She him. never wants to talk to him. Yeah. And she is always they're always so out of sync and they're specifically out of sync physically. And we've established Mm -hmm. this multiple times. Like he's, they're slow dancing at her house and she says, I feel so relaxed. And he's like, Mm -hmm. already? We know, Mm -hmm. we know that sex with Riley is relaxing for Buffy, which is not really his goal. Um, Because again, (laughs) he wants that passion. Like he wants the fire. He wants the passion. He wants the, the bitey stuff, which is great. I'm into it. Um, but we get it. We get it here again that she's relaxed and he's looking for this like spark and it's not there. And then, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Thank you, Dawn, for bringing us into the, you know, so we can get Dawn out of the house so we can boink so we can have loud, <laughs> obnoxious sex. And then they do neither. Uh-huh. Like it is neither right. loud. I mean, maybe it's obnoxious. 
but it's not good, you guys. Like it does not. It does look not look like good. Fun. The sex, the sex with Buffy and Riley does not. It look never good. looks like but, fun, ever. Right. <laughs> this is this is the funny thing though, because as you're talking and you're talking about this from the perspective that you see it from, and then I'm looking at it from the perspective that I see it from, and you were you said a thing. Maybe I'm projecting, and I'm like, oh, I am completely projecting, right? <laughs> completely projecting because I had a man in my life who needed to be needed. And the way that he did that was through abusing me and my kids and making me feel weak. Like I wasn't good enough. Like I'd be so that I would need him. Right. He needed me to be weak so that he could be strong because he came in weak. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've had that experience. Right. So the idea of somebody like requiring the woman to be weaker than him, I think triggers a very specific, oh, fuck off thing for me, you know, (laughs) Um, because of my personal experience. So I will say, I will say, I think that I can, I understand, I can see your perspective on it. And as you're talking, you know, I'm thinking about your perspective on various things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I kind of get that. I kind of see where you're coming from. So I think the bottom line is you can love it and be legit and you can hate it and be legit but the the role of fiction is really to give us a place to kind of walk through those experiences and that's why these different responses that that people have to these things are all legit you know i mean i'm not going to say that i understand anybody who like when riley leaves is like oh wow i'm going to miss that guy like i don't <laughs> I, I maybe don't understand that, but I'll I'll respect it. I'll respect it. People who love Riley love Riley for a reason. And I hate Riley for a reason. And what I see, what speaks to me, the frequencies that 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 are, are turned up the loudest for me are different from the frequencies that are turned up the loudest for you here. So I find that just really super interesting. Yeah. It's it is really fascinating. And I love mm-hmm. that we come at this from completely different perspectives. Yes. Because. Yes. And that is, you know, even something as simple as the idea of being needed in a relationship mm-hmm. that. Right. I'm against that. Well, and, I'm against that, being needed in a relationship. But that <laughs> concept alone uh-huh. is so nuanced. And, right. you know, so for you, like that idea goes in this very toxic direction. And I mean, by and large, I agree with you. Like, I don't Mm want to be, I don't enjoy being needed in that way. What I do enjoy is being, this is okay. Here we go with like another, another really nuanced and uh, potentially Uh problematic phrase, but being taken for granted, being taken for granted in the sense that, you know, Buffy says that Riley is, dependable that was something that she liked about him but but xander calls her on it and says i think what you really mean is convenient there is a being Mm -hmm. taken for granted in the sense that i know that i can trust this person to do what i tell them i take for granted Mm -hmm. that if i give you this task to do or i take for granted that if i give you this secret to keep that you are Mm -hmm. going to follow through and you know honor the relationship that we have that's being taken for mm-hmm. granted that's not being taken yeah. for granted in the sense of you know what by what uh buffy says to joyce when joyce is like hey don't you want to spend some time with riley and buffy's like oh i can see him anytime right like no big deal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 
that's I mean, so again, like the idea of being dependable or being reliable or ta- or even taken for granted, which I think is a phrase mm-hmm. that a lot of people would bounce really hard off of, you know, just personally yeah. for me, I have this whole thing about it's actually like within a relationship that is balanced where you uh-huh. are, you know, where where all of the parties involved are striving to be of service to each other and to the relationship. Being taken for granted feels awesome because mm-hmm. it means you count on me, like you trust me enough yeah. to know that I will follow through and that you don't have to check on me. Right. So mm-hmm. it's a, like, it, it, oh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating it what really fiction fascinating. brings up. <laughs> it is. And this is why fiction is such goddamn magic. I mean, it really is, you know, but I find that so interesting. Um, and, and you know, and I don't necessarily really disagree with what you're saying. I just see it so differently. Like the, the resonant parts are different for me than they are for you in this. And I kind of freaking... Love well, that. and how um, you read something, yeah. how you read something is so shaped by your own experience, not you yeah. know the general you. Like when Buffy says right. that, you know, Riley says, "Oh, you were so strong," you know, about her mom being in the hospital. You didn't even cry, yeah. and Buffy's like, "Oh, I cried a ton." What are you talking about? But that's over now. Uh-huh. And then she leans in and hugs him, and he goes, "Oh," right. and I read that as a little like. This is another nail in the relationship coffin. It's not that he needed Mm -hmm. her to cry to him, but the fact that she didn't trust him, like there's that level of, there's that level of being a safe space for someone or being a real partner to someone. I'm not sure it's about stronger versus weaker. I think it's about that exchange of, energy in a relationship, which, again, Marty Noxon is right. putting all of this in here for me this episode. This is not like <laughs> all of this right. nuance in the Buffy Riley dynamic. I'm not sure exists much prior to this episode. Yeah. I'm pointing mm-hmm. I'm pointing fingers at Marty Noxon. This is her fault that right. I like <laughs> that. I like this. I mean, you I don't enjoy it. Like- Like, it's a bummer. Mm -hmm. It's a bummer to see people be out of sync in their relationship. It's a bummer Mm -hmm. to see people not talk about shit. It's a bummer to see people get their hearts broken or be, you know, upset. But it's also something that we go through in our relationships, Mm -hmm. not just romantic relationships, but like relationships Mm -hmm. full stop. Um, Mm -hmm. And she's a fucking wizard. Marty Noxon is a wizard. That's all I've got. Yes. (laughs) No, she is. She is. She's really, really great. And like, you know, I hate a lot of this episode. Like, I just really super hate it. But I think that it's well done. I think that what what Marty Noxon is doing here definitely does have a lot more nuance and a lot more, um, I think, complication and interest than than necessarily what we've had before. It's just my patience is already worn out. I'm already sick of this be weak so I can feel strong thing. Um, that <laughs> That obviously gets no truck with me. Um, so yeah, I find it. I find it really interesting. We also have um, okay. So Riley's cat house slash drug hovel. So slash, fascinating. What 
is this? And and you know, and the idea, like also like that that he has this. They specifically chose this this actress who's extremely thin, right? Mm-hmm. And they they highlighted this emaciated look for her, right? Mm-hmm. Which which is something that we associate with, you know, some particularly very addictive drugs, right? That there is some, there are some that that make you lose an extreme amount of weight. Um, and so we have that look, that really like hungry, drugged out look from her. But also, like her job is to eat all day, right? Well, I mean, it's how she presumably i mean well and like who even knows like clearly there's are a, they on drugs is it a vampire I drug? Don't do they think so. do they dose up the humans with drugs and then drink their blood so that they get the high from i don't like i don't understand so. what this place is i think okay. okay i mean the 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 real answer is that it's not a thing it's a feeling so yeah you know mm-hmm. it's very much it's very much in the spirit of the show, much more about how it feels than about what it literally is. Um, yes. But, you know, this is this is the clearest it's ever been. You know, we talked last time about whether allowing oneself to be bitten by a vampire is a metaphor for sex or for drugs. Right. And in the vamp nest house, it's a little bit of both. Um, it's, a, it's an everything. It's a little it's bit of everything. Up together. It's a little bit of everything. But this this yeah. particular vampire who has a little moment with Buffy that we'll talk about in a minute, I suspect. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I get the impression that there is some sort of a hierarchical, like, sex work imbalance of power kind of relationship among these vampires. Like, yeah, she gets to eat, but maybe not as often as she would like almost certainly not as often as she would like because she looks terrible and of course that's playing into that's playing into some really complicated ideas about women and desirability and you know Mm -hmm. Buffy is very negative about yeah the about the the vampires that Riley is seeing and really um really invested in the narrative around women and worth and you know the the sex work shamey vibe is very strong in this episode and yes i understand that they're vampires they're demons right yeah and we can so we can go a little harder on that but it's still right but even giles was like yeah i know about this but they're willing victims and yeah, it seems like lo- we have we're busy enough. I also love trying- Giles being like, Oh, I haven't seen it since my Ripper days and I'm like, Did Giles pay to get bitten? Cause oh, yeah. tell me more. Oh fuck, yeah. oh fuck yeah. That's what the tattoos are covering up. I'll bet you anything. I'll bet you anything. Riley or Ripper. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, Ripper definitely has that. Um, but here's the thing. You were talking about the 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 choices, Buffy's relationship with these vampires. And I also find that very interesting. Yeah. Uh, moments of choice are, of course, like everything within character. What they choose to do is it, the most important thing um, when you're telling stories and you're trying to develop a character. Um, so while I'm not that interested in Buffy and Riley right now, like my gas ran out on that tank a long time ago, I kind of love these choices that she makes with the vampires, not because I love the choices themselves but because i don't understand them and i'm still trying to figure out what it means right (laughs) so we have we have buffy like 
going in because there was also this this like tell me about your whores tell me about your cheating you know all of that stuff which I don't think was exactly what he was doing but there was a sexual element I mean when she's sucking on his arm like you know and he's shirtless like it's not it's very it is sexual it's not not sexual how about that and, and when he says it wasn't real it was just physical gives me that cheating metaphor so it's cheating drugs and like prostitution, rock and roll, it's all of these things, right? <laughs> all at once, right? Okay, so so Buffy insists on going in. She brings all the Scoobies with her. Yeah. Uh, everybody's gone, but they've left an open par- propane campfire thing behind, which I find hilarious because, you know, three things. Three things right? kill vampires. They can't buy an electric light or a hot plate. You know, uh, they got to have an open flame. Um, so so she tips that over, right, and lights the place on fire. But this place shares walls with other businesses that we right. would presume are not vampire nests. Mm-hmm. So that feels that feels off to me. Um, then we have this moment where the vampires, where all of these people surround her in the alley. All of these these vampires who ran and abandoned the nest that they had because they were afraid of her um, jump her in the alley, mm-hmm. right? So she's surrounded by this circle of vampires. And they're like, oh, the pyro thing was not, f- or whatever they were taunting her about, right? Um, and then she says, just walk away. Just walk away right now, mm-hmm. right? Which, fine, if it's a fight, if it's a human coming to you and being like, I'd like to tear your hair out, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, you know what? Walk away because I will destroy you. I'm a, I'm a slayer. Mm-hmm. But they are vampires. Like, slaying them is kind of what she does. Why does she want to let them go? Then they attack. So she ends up killing them all except this one. Uh-huh. The one that was that Riley was with, right? Mm-hmm. So she pulls her staff back, right, or whatever it is, her javelin, whatever it is she had, right? Yeah. Was, I think it was the staff from one of the vampires, and and then this woman runs, terrified for her life, right? And Buffy watches her with this cold expression, and then throws it at her. Now the thing is, had she just staked her, like in that moment, just staked all of them in that moment. I would have been like, yeah, okay, fine, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not like she's going after the woman that Riley was with. This is a vampire. This is her job. This is what she does. These these vampires are not going to go out and be fruitful members of society. They're <laughs> going to kill people, right? And the thing with Buffy is that she's always about protection, right? Anything that poses a danger, she kills. Mm-hmm. She's not about punishment. She's about protection, which is why Spike is still alive. I mean, aside from the delight armor, Spike can't hurt anybody anymore. There's nobody to protect from, you know, him from, right? So, or protect from him. Uh, so he, she lets him live, right? Um, and she does that with anybody who's not posing a a current threat. But all of these vampires pose a current threat. So there is no moral question for her. She's very solidly on Slayer, Vampire, this is how we dance, ground here, right? So this whole thing is is just like a question, like, that hesitation and then and then changing her mind and and dusting that vampire feels to me like it's it's making some kind of of negative commentary on Buffy. Yeah. But I'm not sure what that what that is. Buffy javelin staking the vampire who bit Riley sucks and I hate it. I hate it yeah. so much. 
I but I don't mind her doing it. it because she's a vampire. It's like she doesn't do it because she's a vampire. The the hesitation in the choice is she does it because this is the vampire that was with Riley. So we're making that clear. And it's it's not a flattering light for Buffy. And it's just a weird moment. And I mean, I will allow mm-hmm. Buffy a weird moment in all of this. Right. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like if there were ever going to be a moment for Buffy to have some weird moments, this would be the time. Sure. Right. Um, but it the whole thing, I do not like it. I don't like it. And I get that we're mm-hmm. supposed to be with Buffy in her emotions. She's not acting. I think the the just walk away and the, you know, the kind of I don't really want I don't really want to do this is she's not in slayer mode. She's in yeah. betrayed, yeah. you know, hurt mm-hmm. girlfriend mode is maybe right. what that's about. I'm not in the mood to kill you now. Come back on Tuesday. Pretty much. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it also points up for me this thing that the show has kind of done a little bit, like little bits here and there of mm-hmm. how much human is there in the vampire how much agency is there are vampires just Mm -hmm. animals essentially and if they are this particular one i get the sense from that moment with the vampire the you know skinny Mm -hmm. kind of mangy vampire who was biting riley that this well it could go one of two ways for me Mm -hmm. one is the show is trying to do there's more humanity in vampires than we right. really want to talk about. The other way is this is a this is an animal, but it's a scared, sick animal, and it's not going to last. Like she does not right. look well. That vampire no. is not mm-hmm. going to go and turn right. a bunch of people or you know wreak a bunch of havoc. She's going to go crawl under a porch somewhere and die. Mm-hmm. Like she right. really. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that that vampire is a threat to anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the way she's she's shot, the way she we get that moment of her mm-hmm. fear before yeah. she runs. Mm-hmm. I don't think she has any power over anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is maybe the... Uh, I think that maybe that's where we're supposed to be with Buffy, that this is like, it's not, it's not that Riley was like seduced by the powerful forces of darkness. Like that Riley like deliberately made this choice and it's not about, it's not about how powerful the demon forces it's about something else i don't know i don't think it's great um i'm not i'm with you in the i'm not totally sure what it's supposed to say about Bobby. i don't Mm -hmm. like it it does not feel good to me and i think it's supposed to not feel good i think so too i think so too um (laughs) yeah there's a lot uh, in this episode where i'm like there is i like how this is done like i love the nuance i love the complexity Mm-hmm. Like, but Buffy turning over the camp stove or whatever it is in the vamp nest. Yeah. I'm just like, really? Okay. Yeah. 
Burned down the whole run of... It's not a house out in the middle of nowhere. Right. It's attached to other houses, totally. other businesses, other places. You like, get in through the alley, right? Like, you yeah, get in through exactly. the back door, whatever. And so that seems something that, like, you know, one of the Scoobies would have been like, oh, wait, no. You know, we can't do that. Let's uh, call the fire department or something because that, you know, I don't know. It's 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 all it's all really weird. Um, but one of the things that's interesting here, though, is that Marty Noxon is not just the writer, but also the director. I know. And I love it. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. it so much. Um, and I'm kind of this is where I'm kind of bummed that we are a podcast and not a YouTube show oh yeah because you want to use those because i want to use the visuals like i want to step everybody like through the visuals of some of these moments because you know Mm -hmm. i've been i've been you know raving about how wonderful marty noxon is with relationship but she gives Mm -hmm. us that visually as well like it's not just in the writing it's in the direction and it's in the the visual you know it's in the composition it's in Mm -hmm. what the camera is doing and who the camera is looking at and all of these like really crucial choices that help to shape this emotional reality Mm -hmm. that we are experiencing Mm -hmm. um so i hope this is not terribly obnoxious because we are an auditory we are an auditory sensation, um, but I am gonna I am gonna step us through a couple of sequences visually yeah. that I absolutely love because mm-hmm. it, they have that same Noxonian delight for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in visual form. So I mean, mm-hmm. right out of the gate, the hospital. We st- we opened in the hospital. Joyce's surgery was at ten in the morning. And it looks mm-hmm. like it's five till one when we open the episode. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while. Um, yeah. Dawn is asleep on Buffy's lap and Riley is in the chair beside them. And at first glance, they look like a cohesive little family unit mm-hmm. um, right. in the, you know, capital A, capital R American romanticism tradition of we have a father, a mother and a child right. kind of a tableau. But... We hold on this shot of the three of them long enough to really take in the body language. Buffy and Dawn Mm -hmm. spread out on this wide bench while Riley is confined to a chair that's a little bit too small for his hulking caramel (laughs) frame. I think I think that's all chairs, though, because Riley's kind of a big dude. He's kind of a big Mm -hmm. dude, but he is also like, yeah, they have space to spread out. He's confined and he's not. He's not man-spreading. Like, he's got his arms pulled in and his hands folded. Symbolically, he is squeezed into this family dynamic where he doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, And then when they all stand to meet the doctor, Dawn and Buffy have this light on them. And Riley is Uh mostly in shadow. Oh, that's interesting. And this is also the case when they're sitting with Buffy and Mm -hmm. Dawn sort of literally blocking the light that would otherwise hit Riley on the side of his face. But it's much more pronounced. And I want to say it's Mm -hmm. much more deliberate when they stand up and wait for the doctor to tell them the news that here they are in the light and he is hanging. He's he's in the background and he's also in Mm -hmm. shadow. um, Yeah. Which is great because we're going to address Riley's shadow a little later on. But also Mm -hmm. he's in the background for Buffy. Yeah. He's not mm-hmm. part of the story that is Buffy and her family. Mm-hmm. Um and then Buffy steps forward from the group 
and the camera dollies forward to focus on Buffy's face faster than the doctor is walking towards her. Yes. It's the camera mm-hmm. move equivalent of that sharp intake of breath, you know, when you're yes. bracing yourself mm-hmm. for some news. I mean, go back and watch it and see if you breathe in there. Like, I, yeah. I definitely do. Mm-hmm. And then we just get to wait because it's time for the opening credits and a word from our sponsors. And I right. fucking <laughs> love it. I love it. We just, oh, shit. We're just like on the brink of right. finding out. But then you have to hold your breath for all of the commercials or while you would run and make yourself a sandwich. Do you remember that? Right. I kind of miss that. Yeah. yeah. Having those little breaks, yeah. those little commercial breaks. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I don't miss it. But yeah, I remember I it. I miss it. I kind of, I'm not enough to yeah. want to recreate it necessarily, but I do miss it. Um, mm-hmm. And then another just like gorgeous visual story that we get is in the vamp house Mm-hmm. nest drug den bordello i don't know what, i don't whatever all of the above. right exactly D, all of the yeah. above um <laughs> that i mean the whole set of that vamp nest house is just gorgeous and mm-hmm. we mostly follow buffy's reactions um mm-hmm. which is to say the camera is on her face as she advances into the house yeah and the camera is dollying back as she moves forward mm-hmm. so as as Spike and Buffy enter the house, Buffy passes through partial shadow and then complete yes. shadow. So that we lose her face completely for a moment, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting choice, right? Like yeah. you really want to stay with your protagonist's face as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So to lose her briefly in the shadow says to me that she is moving through this yeah. space of like losing like we lose her for a minute we lose contact with the buffy mm-hmm. that is going to see this and maybe react in a in a more right. calm don't burn the entire place to the ground kind of way <laughs> um but it's also lovely because as we continue to move through the house um and buffy opens the door to reveal riley mm-hmm. the lighting tells us everything we need to know about the situation Mm -hmm. faces in shadow patches of light here and there we see riley we can see that riley is not wearing a shirt which again Mm kind of sexy Mm -hmm. and his full face is in shadow right he's complete but we of course we know who it is we know who it is because we know what he's up to but right we know Mm -hmm. who it is we know that buffy knows who it is even though we can't see him um, mm-hmm. And then when he says Buffy, only his mouth is in the light. So it looks like he's wearing uh, a mask or a black hood almost pulled over mm-hmm. his eyes. It's very, very good visual representation yeah. of Riley's relationship to this world. It's something he puts mm-hmm. on. It is a cover right. of darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's also starting to erase his humanity. Right. Which is just... Interesting. See, I say it gets the most compelling in the episode where it ends, which... (laughs) I mean, and maybe that's best. Maybe, like, Mm -hmm. quit while you're ahead. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Quit while your head Um, is in the cover of darkness. I'm not sure. It's... (laughs) Yeah, those are really, really cool things. And I hadn't really noticed it, but as you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see... 
I can see where you're talking about that use of shadow and how carefully it was used throughout this episode. Um, but what I find funny, I, I think what I find most interesting and most compelling about this episode, and I know this is going to come as a shock, so I hope that you are sitting down at the moment, but it's really <laughs> Spike, right? Um, you know, Spike is outside. Uh, stalking Buffy while she has sex with Riley. It's creepy and weird, but it's supposed to be creepy and weird. He's a vampire. So like his creepy and weird stuff is not okay, but it's okay because the text is not rubber stamping it as okay, right? Because he's a vampire. Um, But his complication here, like um, the moment when he goes in and Buffy's naked in bed and she's like, (laughs) I have to get dressed and he turns his back to her and he's like, oh, please, like I give a damn. And then you see the look on his face where he's just like, oh my God, you know. He has to Um, Hide. He has to so hide that how much of a damn he gives. It's great. Oh, he gives so much of a damn, you know. Um, <laughs> but I love this moment. Like he brings Buffy to see what Riley's doing. He's so proud of himself. You know, this whole like, look what I did. Yep. I showed you this guy's not, you know, he's so proud of himself. He runs outside and he says, I just thought you should know. Right. And then he sees her face and you see the expression on his face change so what james marsters does with a simple reaction look is unbelievable it it conveys this uh, the shock of empathy right yeah or i don't even know if it's empathy because it you know but that he doesn't want her to hurt you know he didn't realize how much this was going to hurt her he thought she'd be angry and you know furious and then she'd break up with riley and then he'd pick her up like his his fantasies about how this was going to go were so not anywhere related to reality and when he sees that not that riley hurt her but that he hurt her and the reaction to that i think is just so beautifully done. I think it's I love it. Um, and I actually really like the his talk with Riley, too. Um, I hate the fake staking. That drives <laughs> me crazy. It's a cheap goddamn move. Um, and no. But of course, when you when you do the, uh, you know, like if you if you do the work to be like, well, he and Buffy clearly had this sex toy uh, lying around <laughs> and and he knows that if he actually staked Spike that maybe Buffy would not be pleased about it um, and yeah you know so I mean yeah. maybe like if you read if you read that into it then maybe but it's such a cheap move that you're like oh my god he he staked Spike and the delight armor has stopped working and then you come back and Spike but Spike's reaction that was oh oh wait <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, I love enjoy the reaction. fake staking. I I yeah. put it, I sort of file it in the same category of behavior as tipping over the camp stove. It's, mm-hmm. I am so fucking angry right now and I need to do something really violent and serious. So I'm going to set this building on fire or I'm going to stake Spike, but not stake him. But why not? Why not actually stake Spike? Aside from the fact that Buffy might be pissed about well, it, which, I by the way... Riley is a little know. bit... I think Riley is a little bit in love with Spike, in a way. Okay. Like, I okay. think there's... Not in a way that he has any access to, but right. he's... He's so funny posturing mm-hmm. with Spike, too, because he's like, if you touch her, I'll kill you. And Spike's like, oh, yeah, right. Like, and I would have killed you a long time ago. I love, first of all, I love them butting heads Mm -hmm. about the, I'm totally going to kill you. No, I would have killed you, blah, 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 blah. But then Mm -hmm. 
right, you know, Riley's like, if you touch her, like, if you touch her, I'll kill you. And Spike's like, yeah, right. And also, I don't like, like I have a chance. Right. Riley's like, or like, like if I if I touched her, she would kill me before you got a chance to kill me. Right. <laughs> it's know? so like, yeah. funny because Riley, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> Riley is feeling all of the things at once. It's the yeah. this guy, this guy has the hots for my girl, but mm-hmm. he's never got a sh- he's never got a chance. Except he totally does, and I, Riley, know it. It's yeah. really interesting. That it is really interesting, and I love Riley yeah. dynamic. I love so. Oh, much. I love it, and I love when they start. They sit down and have a drink together, oh and God. they just start talking about it. I mean, I, I'm annoyed at both of them because they're both blaming Buffy for you know all of the things or whatever. It really like, it's all is about like her. women, man. It's women, like women, exactly. You know, and I'm like, no, you guys are both fucked up, and like, you need to look at yourselves. Because if it wasn't Buffy doing this to you, it'd be some other chick because you're a mess. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah and i think that's the delight for me in that scene is they're both just such a mess and they're so like and they're bonding over it it's kind of nice (laughs) like i actually i like it i also like the way that spike does not even try to pretend that that's not the case he's just like yep he does not care it's so Mm -hmm. funny i love spike not taking riley seriously enough to like lie Mm -hmm. to him he's just like yeah 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 Yeah. exactly he doesn't care he does not care um but it's a really wonderful scene and i actually it's the it's the most i've enjoyed riley i think probably ever um but then we have of course this big like speech at the end with xander after buffy and riley have their big fight yeah um the speech is stupid and gaslighty for me. It does not work for me. Um, you know, she's she's like, you know, actually, I think having a reason to be upset. He he dumps all this on me. I find this out. And then he's like, I'm leaving at midnight unless you give me a reason not to, which is fuck you, Riley. You decide what you're going to do. You know what this relationship is. Are you going to? say okay I accept that and quit your whining or are you going to go like you decide it's not up to her you know it's his decision he has to decide what he wants you know um, and when she says it's not my decision to make absolutely right but again he's putting that pressure on her that like I'm going to make this decision based on what you do which is bullshit so I've had enough of Riley at this point <laughs> and then having Xander come in and be all this is the guy if he's the one the once in a lifetime you were treating him like a rebound guy but he's the no none of that is true all of that is gaslighty none of this is true about riley this is not who riley is this may be who riley is for xander i think he might be the one for xander but not for Buffy. <laughs> i mean xander's clearly in love with riley and you know what go ahead everybody's got a captain america kink like go I for mean, it you know i do not enjoy the xander ex machina yeah. But I do think he's correct about a lot of things. Oh, I think he's correct about nothing. I lo- what I, is he correct about? I love him advocating for Riley. I love mm-hmm. him saying, you know, Buffy says he's dependable and Xander says he's convenient. You wanted mm-hmm. him around when you wanted him around and then not when you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was he was something that Buffy was using to fulfill mm-hmm. this very specific need of hers. And I right. think Xander points it out. But I also, the issue that I take with Xander here is that 
where did this come from? Like what? Like literally, where was Xander this whole time? What is going on? Like I mean, we've had him. We've had him. He was he was there when Riley said, "But she doesn't love me." Yeah, right. And Xander and Xander had that sudden feeling of, "Oh, he's confiding in me." Like um, so he had that like that you know wonderful little bit of that crush going on um but i think that he's been seeing things and he had that whole thing where he was um he was making a buffy riley metaphor and then anya was like no i like you that's right, right. you know yeah um so we've had him kind of hinting it's, at this for a while but this... he comes he is so incorrect in the way that he comes at buffy and that ultimatum of riley's is you know i'm gonna leave unless you give me a reason not to no you leave if you want to well you know what this relationship is. You make that choice for yourself. You don't put that on Buffy. It's a tricky way of it's it, he's not he's not asking for what he needs, which is mm-hmm. he needs to say like Xander Xander actually says it better than mm-hmm. Riley says it, um, which is if you don't he says Xander bleh, too many people start over <laughs> Xander says to Buffy. If that is not something that you have to give to him, you got to mm-hmm. let him go. And right. I think that what Riley does, Riley doesn't ask for what he needs, which is a confirmation of some kind of passion from Buffy. I think that's what the whole hit right. me thing is about. Right. I think it's about I need to feel some sort of a an emotional connection mm-hmm. with you even if that me you know and we know that riley right. has to experience things through his body um mm-hmm. so when he says hit me i think what he's really saying is like give me some sort of indication that there's any mm-hmm. kind of fire in you for me even if it is yeah. that you are angry enough to lash mm-hmm. out at me Right. But then but he's not, you know, he's not articulating that. He's not asking for what he needs. And it's Xander who points out to Buffy, like, this guy, this guy is here for you. But if you don't have the love to give to him that mm-hmm. he needs to make this relationship a relationship, you gotta let him go. Yeah. yeah. And then that's when it gets a little twisty for me. Like, I think Xander is absolutely correct that in saying, Buffy, you need to make up your mind. Like, you are not. Oh, yeah. You're not treating this guy fairly. You need to make up your mind. But then it does end up getting twisted into this. You know, Xander is very much on Team Riley (laughs) because Xander does spin it as a you can't let this guy go. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is shitty. Xander doesn't really yeah. let her make a decision. But also, mm-hmm. like, now is not the time. Like, unfor- you know, of course, it has to be before midnight, right? We've got to have, we have right. to be able to resolve this tonight because that's what makes the narrative mm-hmm. interesting. Um, right. But no, like, <laughs> you don't, you don't have these, like, upsetting conversations when somebody is already upset. And yeah, that uh-huh. is the problem. And also, well, and he's not he's he's lecturing her on this rather than like asking her and listening to her. You know, he's acting as if he knows everything and he doesn't. He think it's interesting. He definitely mm-hmm. sees more of the reality yeah. of the Riley Buffy dynamic than Buffy does. But yes. also, like now is not the time, bruh. Like, 
Except, of course, that it's going to be, you know, the clock is ticking and you got to run for the helicopter or whatever. Some, you know, fairy tale romantic. Oh, God. And then she runs for it. He can't hear her. And the fact that she's running there shouting for Riley is so irritating. She has not wanted him this whole time. Let the dude go. Yeah. Like, I mean, let him. And if Xander's if Xander's like lecture at that point had been, you don't want him. You never wanted him. Let him go. You know, if that had been Xander's thing, I would have been into it. But then we move into from this whole speech, you know, from Xander to Buffy. We actually end and it's because like where you end on in, a, in an episode is hugely and the story is hugely important. The ending tells us what it all really means. Right. Because how it ends. And, you know, we we have Buffy walking home dejected after running miles in those boots. I don't even know. <laughs> there must be some slayer foot strength that just can handle wearing whatever kind of shoes and running them. But we end on this moment with Anya where Xander walks in and he says, I love you. I think you should know this. I love you powerfully and painfully and all of this stuff. He gives her this whole big, you know, this whole big speech. And so in the end, like, I like that Xander has realized that he doesn't appreciate Anya, that he doesn't express to her because he talks down to her so much. The way that he talks to her drives me crazy. And for him to come in and tell her how he feels. Now, if it changes the way that he treats her from here on out, then okay, lesson learned and we've gone somewhere. I don't I don't have a memory of it I doing that. We'll see. I think it does. I don't I think he remains exactly the I same. I don't with remember her. anything yeah. changing between them immediately after this. I, but We'll I would like it to be a transition point. I would like to be remembering it incorrectly. But as we move through, I have a feeling I'm going to be disappointed. But I do like this moment, though, where we have this textual acknowledgement from Xander that while he's telling Buffy how great Riley is, he is failing to appreciate how fucking lucky he is to have Anya, mm-hmm. you know. And so when he goes and tells her that, I actually really like it. I bounce so hard off of that moment. <sighs> With Xander, and I yeah. don't totally know why. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I wonder. <laughs> I was when I was watching it. Two, well, two things. I really, yeah. really wish that I could be in my head the first time I watched this yeah. episode because my life and my relationships and my ideas about relationships were very, very different. Um, uh-huh. But I don't. I don't remember how I responded to this the first time through, but I bounced so hard this time. And I was thinking, is this how women who love men romantically want their romance, like want their partners to talk to them? Like, because it felt very much, it felt very written to me and it felt very much like, a specific kind of fantasy about something a man would say. And I do not like it, but I wonder if that's because it's not for me. That is really interesting. Um, Because to me, I look at it and I think, well, regardless of the gender, I think you would want, like, it's nice to hear stuff like that from the person that you're involved with. At the same time, I think there is like a general understanding of men 
where, you know, they're strong and silent and they don't say the things, you know, um, is that actually true or is that our cultural presumption? You know, I don't know. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Right. Um but it's interesting because I never really thought about it as as a specifically heterosexual um, kind of dynamic there. Um, but that's that's a really interesting. I, I clearly have to watch more lesbian romance, <laughs> right? To see what how is it different? How are well, the, the ways ends... in which the ideal expression is is put into fiction? You know, like directed at different um, different gender groups. Well, he ends with. You make me feel like a man. Yeah. Which, I okay, that tracks for me in terms of Xander and, like, his right. goals and desires. But I just, I don't know. Like, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Not because yeah. there's anything, like, it didn't strike me. It didn't strike me as, like, especially egoic or icky, mm-hmm. which we do yeah. get from Xander. Yeah, um, we do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I um, I didn't care for it. I didn't. I mean, I like Xander uh-huh. being good to Anya. That I enjoy. Yeah. yeah. But the way that it's shot, the way that it's written, it feels like this big, you know, swell of the orchestra romantic moment. And I just went, well, no, I mean. Uh, yeah, I can understand that because part of it, like the romance of it didn't really work for me, like the the big romantic moment because it's unearned. We haven't had, we haven't been focused at all on the romance between Xander and Anya. We haven't had any of this. So none of this has been, even in this episode, we haven't built up to this. So it just comes at us seemingly nowhere, you know? And while I think it's way past goddamn time that Xander appreciated the fact that he is not really worthy of Anya, um, (laughs) I think that, I think that like it's nice to see that because I've had enough of that. But yeah, like we haven't built this up. This hasn't been, this episode was not about Anya and Xander, not even in in the scene in which they were together at the magic box before Buffy comes in wanting to burn everything down. That right? is a weird little um, scene. Too. It is a weird little. Well, it's setting up Triangle, which is I next know. week. The tension between Willow and, and know, Anya. And I just yeah. hate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it does. It doesn't fit in in this. Scene. It does feel a little bit out of place in this episode. Um but the way that Xander talks to Anya is just always the way that Xander talks to Anya. We never textually acknowledge it as being a problem. And we don't see we have this one moment where Anya, you know, says that famous line. Mm-hmm. I could just hear you all behind my back. You know, that Anya, I dislike her. She is newly human and strangely literal. Right. Um, <laughs> like that whole thing that she does. Um, so we have that moment here where she is acknowledging that the way that they treat her isn't exactly overflowing with respect. But we don't really get a textual acknowledgement that it that first of all that it's a problem for Anya the way that Xander talks to her mm-hmm. um, and second of all that it's a problem for Xander and third of all that he needs to make any big declaration to her so like when this happens it's not really earned it's not built up it just sort of happens and the fact that this is what happens at the end of an episode that has been about Riley and Buffy feels like it should be it should have a greater significance but because we haven't built it up at all I don't know what that significance is exactly supposed to be yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to come on the tail end of Xander's clarity, Xander's growing mm-hmm. clarity about Riley and Buffy. Right. It's almost mm-hmm. like a little coda to yeah. the Xander 
Buffy Riley thing, you know, and people, Mm -hmm. of course, giving the advice they need to hear and all of that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Xander saying to Buffy, you know, Buffy brings it up, you know, Mm -hmm. when when he calls Xander calls Buffy on her bullshit with Riley and Buffy calls him right back and says, what about Anya? And I like Xander saying, oh, this is so not about me. Right. But then Mm -hmm. obviously he has taken that in. And well, obviously, it's all about him. It's about his love for Captain America. Yeah. It's about, yeah. It's all about him. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. and we know that, you know, of course, we know that that Xander was never super uh, pro angel. So it makes mm-hmm. sense to me that Xander would be team Riley in a big way. But yeah, yeah, this is just a little it's just a little end cap that doesn't really doesn't pay off anything. Doesn't really yeah. go anywhere. It's it's briefly, barely set up when Riley comes in to talk to Buffy and mm-hmm. Anya is making jokes about after hours hanky panky at the store and mm-hmm. Xander's like, not the time, not the time, not the time. And she's like, oh, let's go home then and fool right. around there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, actually, I got a thing to do. And... What? <laughs> like, what? I don't know. 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 All right. So, Noelle, what are you wearing? Well, this is clunky AF, but when <laughs> Buffy and Riley have their, you know, state of the union <laughs> yeah. in the back of the magic box, um, Riley's wearing white and Buffy's wearing black. And it's like, yes, we know they are polar opposites mm-hmm. in this. Right. Sad, sad, mm-hmm. doomed love story. Um, <laughs> Aww, it's it's so not terribly like it's not terribly sophisticated as far as a, you know, meaningful mm-hmm. wardrobe moment. But it's there. Yes. It works. It's great. And when, of course, mm-hmm. we also already talked about Buffy being naked in bed and Spike. So oh, not sure. caring, but completely caring, what? you guys. What are you not wearing you this not week? Wearing? I'll tell you Hello. what. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. So what about girl power? Oh, not with a girl power bitch. I don't know. I didn't pull a lot of girl power in this episode. Maybe, maybe Anya winning at life. Like yes. the punny, the, the punniness of Anya always winning the game of life. Oh, well, yes. Anya. Offering strawberry schnapps to Dawn. It's I love. so funny. Tastes like real yes. ice cream. Like she's figured it out. That's the I best. Um, well, no, but it is Anya because Anya talks <laughs> mm-hmm. about, you know, how good she's been for business, for the magic yeah. box. Yeah. And that, you know, Giles would be in serious tax trouble without her. He And he tries to deny it, but his face says she's absolutely right. Oh, right. Which I enjoy. (laughs) Well, he just says, oh, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it's only a bit of an exaggeration. Well, his face, his face is 100% (laughs) like confirming exactly what she said. She nailed it. And that's what's so great about, Mm -hmm. that's what's one of the many things that's so great about Anya and Mm -hmm. her saying whatever comes to her mind in whatever way it comes to her mind right <laughs> that she's yes right on a lot of mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i gotta yeah. go with anya i'll give it to anya this i week. love it i love it all right what's your favorite part oh my god riley and spike 
Yeah. All of it. Just all of it. I even great. I even love the fake out with a plastic steak. I love it. I love <laughs> Oh my God. When Spike is about to say, like, you know, oh, sometimes it mm-hmm. sometimes I think I've got the better deal and sometimes I think you do. And then he's, you know, yep. being all poetic and he's like, Oh no, fuck that. You've got it way better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to be all diplomatic yeah. with Riley there, but then he's just like, mm, nope, 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 fuck you. Nope. You have a right. good thing and you have no idea. And then <laughs> poor Riley, I do feel mm-hmm. for him though. And he's like, yeah, I'm the lucky I'm guy. The guy. I'm the guy. Yeah. Like he's so yeah. sad in that moment. And they're both so sad and drinking. And mm-hmm. I want more Riley and Spike being drinking buddies and it will never happen. But I'm just yeah. so grateful for yeah, <laughs> what Marty Noxon gave us for the gift. What could have been? What oh, could have been? Um, yeah, I love the moment that Spike has that realization that he's hurt Buffy. You know, outside of the the mixed metaphor vamp nest. Um, <laughs> I I love this moment where he he it's it, you can see the surprise on his face that he didn't figure it would hurt her. Yeah, and then as soon as he realizes it hurt her. Like, he would have done it differently. He wouldn't have done it. He regrets it. And you can see all of that. And I think it's just, it's such a beautiful, quick, quiet moment, but so powerfully done. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Co-signed. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, come find us on social media. Lonnie is at Lonnie Diane Rich on Twitter, and I am at Noelle Allowed on Instagram. And the hashtag is still pretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish Media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our May producers, Abigail, Alice, Crimson Glass, Erica, Jonathan, Kristen, Sarah, and Shelly. And this week's special message for our power producers, I'm in love with you, powerfully, painfully in love. To find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or cover for the weepy chicken within. We'll be back next time with Triangle, the 11th episode of season five. Until then, ain't love grand. <laughs>